Mike and Mike mix a rich stew of contrarian thinking. Why go to college? Why sales classes are so important? If you go to college, how should you approach that experience? Take a gap year? Why not? All this and more on the Cleveland Real Estate Investor Podcast. Investing in real estate can be full of pitfalls. Don't end up as another horror story on Mike Riley's Cleveland Real Estate Investor Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Ferrante with Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team, serving buyers and sellers all over the state of Ohio. We specialize in helping investors buy and sell real estate. So before you make another move, go to 21mike.com to schedule an appointment. The 21 Mike team, your one-stop shop for buying and selling. Hi, everybody. This is Mike Riley with my uh, partner in real estate and small business, Mike Ferrante. Mike, how are you doing? Fantastic. Good to be here. All right. Well, we've been uh, the last week or two, Mike's been, uh, he's been traveling Wilbury here. He's been all over the place while yours truly has been home, uh, you know, tending to the home fires with the roller coaster weather here in Cleveland. One day it's 80, the next day it's 30. That's Cleveland for you. So, yeah, never a dull moment. Exactly. So Mike and I, Mike's been taking some good notes, and this is uh, this is uh, this topic's going to be kind of a smorgasbord. It touches on education, college. My favorite rant: to be or not to be, to to go or not to go. You know, to college. Uh, what's the impact? Uh, the allure of the glamorous business. Uh, title versus are you actually making money? So we're going to be touching on accounting, um, tracking how well you're doing. Are you making money in your different ventures, et cetera, et cetera. Where do you want to begin? What 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 ingredient you want to throw in the pot first here, Mike? Wow, that's a good one. So, you know, let's talk about this whole uh, investing concept and, and how we were talking about education as an investment in your future, because that's that's the the perception. Everyone thinks, oh well, I I pay now for an education because it pays off in the future, and you know because we talk a lot about investing and different types of investing. So the concept of education as an investment, and and what is the guarantee of that return, if any, and how do you quantify it, and are there other options? Right. I think if you're going, I mean, let's just touch on the education part. I think the common myth fallacy out there is you graduate from high school, you know, you got good grades. And of course you're going to go to college because if you don't go to college, you are a loser, right, Mike? That's the perception. That's the perception. Yeah, that's it. So let's just be aware of what the traps are right out the door. And, you know, to me, I think going to college is fine. I, I think not going to college is fine. There is this is very complicated. And quite frankly, Mike, there is a reason. I was telling my son this, who's the controller of our company, uh, who's now in his mid-30s. I was telling him the other day, look at there is a reason why there's a 1%, 2%. I mean, think about it. You know, 1% of America or 2% control 60% of the wealth in this country. I mean, what does that tell you? It tells you there is a wide gap in income in people. And I don't want to, and you reel me back if I'm getting too far off the road here. But I think that nowadays, 
having your own business, if you read the uh, a, that great book, Millionaire Next Door, just go on Google about what is the percentage of people who are wealthy. And the vast majority of them, they have their own businesses. They don't work for somebody. And if you have your own business, one of the first things you have to be able to do is get the business, get the customers, right? Yeah. And if you have, so if that's job number one is to get the customers, you have to have some sales and marketing background, right? Absolutely. It's like, you know, just because you have a superior idea, superior product doesn't mean you're going to be successful. You know, the old cliche about, you know, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. Not true. Right. You could build, I mean, how many, how many people out there, they're, they're trying to hit that, that big home run and uh, they end up striking out. I think the, the, the irony of it is when I look at the whole college experience is they've got it upside down in so many different ways. Now, first of all, they're not teaching you any kind of sales course. That's number one. So here you got this degree and okay, well, how are you going to market yourself? How are you going to sell yourself out there? Number two is, are you organized? Can you do spreadsheets? Can you figure out, you know, how to, um, you know, get that mousetrap, sell that mousetrap, build that mousetrap, hire people, subcontract out people to build that mousetrap. You see where I'm going? Yeah. Well, and now some people are probably listening and saying, well, that's why you go to school. That's what that's what an education gives you. But, you know, from my personal experience, uh, I found that my education and I did a bachelor's uh, at Heidelberg in here in Ohio and then a master's in business with a concentration in marketing. And, you know, frankly, the education that I got didn't really do a great job preparing me for being out in the business world. I, I remember going to an interview right after or right as I was graduating from Case Western, which was a wonderful school. I'm not dis disparaging my education because, you know, one thing I'll tell you is I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But, but I remember going to an interview uh, with a, a railroad company and, you know, they were the ones who gave me a full ride to, to Case. And I bombed that interview, Mike, because I was not prepared for the real world. I had a lot of book smarts and I, I, I learned stuff, but I, I bombed that interview. Like I was so awkward and not ready to sit down with business people and talk like an adult. It was embarrassing. I mean, frankly, I was embarrassed walking out of that, that interview. Okay. Uh, can you elaborate on that? Um just well, get, get a little bit more in the weeds on yeah. you bombing. Were you, were you nervous? Were you well, yeah. trying to impress them? I mean, you know, I can, I can encapsulate, I can, I can encapsulate the whole story with one little anecdote. And yes, it was all of that. I was still a kid, you know, I hadn't really had a, a real job at a company. And, and, you know, this is where we start getting into apprenticing on someone, you know, working, working and getting an education and getting paid for it, you know, so I hadn't really done that. I had had my own business, you know, I, you know, I, I took a similar path as you and I was a college painter. That's how I started. Out. But, right. but when, but when it came time to sit in a, a, a with business people in, in suits and ties, and they were talking about sales techniques and going into a customer's uh, place of business, one of the questions they asked me, and I remember just sitting there, like my face probably turned red. They they asked me, so Mike, you know, one of the things we do is we call on manufacturers, for example. 
and we're trying to sell them using our rail services. And so let's just say, you know, you go into a customer's office, you know, how would you find out what means of transportation they're currently using in preparation of going on that appointment? You know, you got to know who your competitors are. You know, how, how do you think you would do that? And I remember thinking, I have no freaking idea. And, and, and I just remember uh, sitting there squirming, thinking, come on, Mike, you can come up with an answer. And I, and I remember my answer was, well, I don't know, I would ask them. And, and you know, probably not the worst answer in the world, but, you know, what they were looking for. And they kind of said, oh, you know, one of the things we do is we just kind of, we just kind of show ourselves around, you know, we'll, we'll go and walk around and, you know, look at their establishment and, you know, maybe scout them out before we go there and just see what trucks are pulling in and out, what rail cars are pulling in and out. And I just remember thinking, God, I, in a million years, I wouldn't have come up with that answer because I just didn't know what I didn't know. And you never took a sales class in college. They didn't even offer it to you. That's correct. I mean, and you know what? And that is, I want everybody to understand this one important point. You know, when I talk about how college has now become a racket, um, just like these real estate courses that you see online that you can pay for, that you can buy, can pay for a webinar, you know, 99.9% of them are just, it's a ripoff. And, you know, I think the the whole college uh, experience, that that is a ripoff. What jumps out at me is the kind of coded messages that you get in the college experience. There is something sort of dirty, messy, you know, it's kind of like teaching somebody a shop, you know, how to use a chop saw when it comes to having classes in how to sell, how to sell sales course. Now, we've we talked about this in in past courses, whether you're in real estate, it's it, it, job number one is always understanding who your customer is, listening more than talking. You know, that old sales expression, that's why God gave you two ears and one mouth, right? Right, exactly. It, it's all about listening. It's all about trying to understand, you know, what they want. And the vast majority of people that are going to college, they come out of college with the thinking that A, I got a degree and B, I got good grades. And that is a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for failure. Yeah, um, I agree. And Mike, to your point about sales, you know, some people are probably listening say, well, I'm not in sales. You know, I do this or I'm in accounting or I'm the receptionist or I'm in the warehouse or I do, you know, I'm a delivery guy. Well, guess what? Every, I say that every single person in the company is in sales. If you have any exposure to anyone outside the company, you're in sales because whether you're delivering boxes to the customer, hey, that's your chance to uh, do some good, you know, to, to talk up the product or to notice, you know, kind of like those guys at the rail company were, Hey, when you're there, you look around and see what's going on. And that's your opportunity to add value for your company. When you make yourself more, more valuable like that, Hey, help them make a sale. Hey, hey I noticed they're still using this widget. Ours is right, better. But Mike, think about that person out there. Hey, you, I, the, one of the listeners out there, you're saying, yeah, you know, I'm not interested in selling, you know, I, I'm, I'm working the warehouse. I got this. How do you think you got your job? Yeah. Cause somebody sold something. I, I mean, really you went in for a job interview, right? 
Isn't that called sales? Yeah. The, the difference is I want, you know what? Hey, Mr. Warehouse or Mrs. Warehouse guy out there, or Mrs. Uh, you know, secretary or Miss, I want to work in the office person out there listening to this. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be a chump or do you want to be a player? Because a player, you know, they, you know what they, they, in poker, they say, if you don't know who the fool at the table, you're the fool. <laughs> right. Right. right? I heard that. You know, yeah. the thing is, is like sales is more than just this, this cliche of manipulation, you know, to trick somebody into getting you something. That's not what it is. It's about awareness. Awareness. Is this product that I'm selling? Is people buying it or maybe I should move out and not sell this? Or is this job going to work out for me or not? Is this boss somebody that I'm, I'm going to want to work for? The ability to have in your life toolbox, the ability to fix your own flat tire in your career is one of the most important things you need in life. You need to be able to know what's going on. You're at the poker table of life, right? Is this a dead end job? Is this college really going to teach you something that's going to get a job? Are you asking questions or are you just blindly being the fool at the poker table and assuming that if you get good grades from a professor, that somehow you're going to be successful? Do you know anything yeah. about how life works? Have you read in Wikipedia the biographies of successful people? They are, I can tell you one thing, 99% uh, of the people that are super successful in Wikipedia, <laughs> A, they dealt with failure, and B, it wasn't a straight line out of college into grad school to a job. That does not happen. And if you think it does, you are the fool at the poker table. Yeah, and I'll add a C onto that. C, they likely had one or more really powerful mentors in their life. Or family money. Well, sure, sure. Yeah. So, Mike, before I forget, one thought I want to throw in there is that, you know, we're not, you know, again, we're not saying that education has no value. For some people, that's that's the right path. But I think the key is that this isn't just this automatic entry into the perfect job. And I think it varies person by person, case by case, you know, for some people, college might be the right path and then a master's and maybe a doctorate, but for other people, maybe it's military, maybe it is uh, a government job. Maybe it is uh, like we always talk about working for someone in the field that you want to be in getting paid to do a job and learning in the field. You know, the, right. the, the value of right. a mentor can't be underestimated. Right. And I think when you go into college, let's just say you're going into college. Okay. Let me give people some tips. One, why don't you take a year off before you go into college? Just take a year off. Get off the, 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 the assembly line that you've been on for 12 years. Because if you've gone to um, high school, a, a real high achieving high school, uh, my three kids went to private school and all they were interested in was getting my kids into top flight university. So they, they would look, the school would look good. Okay. And what, um, you know, my middle son did, I just told him you're taking a year off. He's not ready. He's doing too much partying, which he was. Yeah. And 
He took a year off. Now, I'm not saying it's the best thing that ever happened to him. I know I took a year off. I took a year off after mindlessly going two years uh, to college straight from my, you know, St. Ignatius um, parochial school. I took a year off. Best thing I ever did. Absolutely the best thing I did. Because you know what I did my third year? The third year, I left home and I went away to school at Ohio University. It's probably a three-hour three three hour drive from my house, but it was far enough, but not too far. Took out a loan. And when I went down there after, after working all summer, you know, painting houses, starting, you know, Riley painting and contracting, which by the way, Mike, next year, 50 years in the business. Holy smokes. 50 years, folks. I started that 1974. Summer of 74, I was listening to the Watergate hearings. On, on the radio. Um, so that does date me. But I remember after that first summer working Monday through Saturday, making some money, getting a loan to supplement, going down to school. School was a vacation from work. Even when I would go home for breaks in the summer, I mean, in the uh, Christmas break, spring break, I was always lining up jobs. So when I went to college, I took all the courses that I wanted to take economics, radio and TV, which then led to, in 78, we uh, started advertising on the classical radio station. And um, I took an accounting course. You know, I took uh, some advanced, uh, almost graduate level political history, which I, and I nailed everything. I nailed everything because I was studying stuff I wanted to learn more of. So I went into, and this is the most important thing, folks. I went into college that second time after that gap year. I was proactive about my learning. I wanted to learn. And when I got out of school without a degree, I had a business going and I was still reading the Washington Post which I switched over to the New York Times. I read the New York Times every day. Every day I was reading something. Every day I was building knowledge. So if you got me, you know, two or three years, four years later in front of those railway executives, I could hold a conversation with them. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. that's the difference. I mean, I could sit there and talk about, I just read this story a week ago in the wall street journal about X, Y, Z, you know? And, and so that, that kind of knowledge of the world, that all encompassing horizontal view of, of the world is going to reveal to you options. You didn't know existed your turn. Hey, let's stop here. We got to pay some bills. 30 seconds and we'll be back. If you've been listening to this podcast, then you understand or should understand the pitfalls of investing in Cleveland real estate. Say you're looking for an investment property to rent. And these are the things that could happen and often do. You overpay for a house and it's in the ghetto. Then you find that it's a money pit with endless surprise repairs. Your hapless property manager 
who may be the brother-in-law of the realtor, gets a tenant who after three months stops paying the rent. Then the toilet explodes and you have nobody to repair it because guess what? The property manager is not answering the phone. Yep, that's the ugly side of the Cleveland real estate market. But we have a solution. Buy one of our properties. It's been inspected. It's been vetted. It's in a rock solid part of town. It comes with a gold star tenant paying top dollar rent and we manage it. Call us at 216-371-8160 if you're interested. Well, so one of the things I wanted to throw in was uh, from my perspective, real estate school, you know, same exact thing. Real estate school prepares you to pass the real estate exam. It does not prepare you to sell real estate. So I think you have to look at what the education is and what it's really preparing you for, what the goal of the education really is. And, and that's one of the big things, one of your big points in mind about education. Exactly. Yeah, it's too passive. And, you know, let me throw this out. Practice your your unconventional thinking. I mean, are, because if you are a person that's going, I got good grades in school, I took AP in high school, I got into a great college. Have you ever stopped and think, what is the chances of your success? What is the consumer reports show about a person like that that ends up finding a successful job? that they're happy in. There's no studies like that. You know, you're just assuming you're going, this straight line is going to lead to, you know, a happy lifestyle. And you know what? It may start out that way, but then all of a sudden a curveball is going to come. That curveball is going to come. You get laid off. You got a degree in journalism and all of a sudden the uh, newspaper in town is shut down. Right. Right. You know, and do you have a horizontal view of life? I mean, I, I watch, you know, uh, Morning Joe, MSNBC, White House Deadline. I watch, uh, you know, CNN, MSNBC and PBS. Um, and I watch all those shows, all the political shows. And you know what is amazing? The last 10, 15 years is the number of people that were in newspapers, columnists for The Washington Post columnists for the New York Times, AP, Axios, Politico, all these online newspapers, how they're all on TV now. It's almost like their newspaper job is, it's not their main job. They are talking heads. And guess who's going to the college commencement or getting paid to, on the speaker's tour, to pay to a, uh, you know, when you were at your real estate conference in orlando or was it vegas where were you a couple of months ago week yeah orlando yep okay well who was the speaker who got paid you know fifty thousand dollars this talk Anybody? uh yeah you know I, I don't her name was robin something she's a adventure racer so they actually brought in someone completely out of the real estate field and it was more uh to talk about um motivation you know the the drive to succeed and uh, really interesting gal. I'll have to look up her name so I can have it for you next time. Well, five or uh, six or seven years ago, Malcolm Gladwell was on uh, C-SPAN Book Notes with Brian Lamb. I think that's his name. But you know, I've taken up walking for an hour, at least an hour a day, and usually right before I go swimming laps, 
for a mile. So I've really gotten to this good, healthy, healthy uh, groove. And I listen, I go on YouTube and I just download all these interviews with people it happened six, seven years ago. Brian Lamb had Malcolm Gladwell on. And this was after, you know, Tipping Point and the Outliers. And so maybe four or five years ago, Malcolm Gladwell, and he was a little uncomfortable when Brian Lamb brought it up. He makes $80,000 a speech. That's an hour and a half. Okay. <laughs> That's an hour and a half. And plus they're flying them in. Plus they're putting them up at the Ritz. Right? Right. 80 grand. And now, obviously, he's Malcolm Gladwell. He, you know, he's, you know, he's uh, made his bones, you know, et cetera, et cetera. While we were dating cheerleaders. But, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, think about it. He's a writer. He's the, the New Yorker. He started at the Washington Post, went to the New Yorker. But this guy is doing a lot of broken field running, started writing some inter- books that he was interested in. And now he's on the speaker tour. Okay. Because he's looking at life horizontally. He's looking for opportunity. Okay. Don't limit yourself to one career. Okay. That career could morph into four different careers. Talking head, speaker tour, writing a book, you know, being an influencer. I mean, there are a lot of ways to go. But if you have been programmed Four years in high school, four years in college to think linear, you're never going to see those opportunities. That's right. So, hey, I found the name of this gal. She was really good, really great speaker. And I I see one of the things that comes up when you pull up her name is uh, she was in the top 50 keynote speakers in the world for 2020. Uh, Her name's Robin with a Y, Benincasa, B-E-N-I-N-C-A-S-A. Very inspirational. Uh, Great story. She was a fantastic speaker and, you know, talk about someone who uh, took her career in a different direction. You know, she had to have, uh, I think it was a hip replacement and could no longer do the adventure racing. And now she's a speaker and and she was amazing. I I left there, you know, very impressed. You know, I'll never forget her, her speech. What, what, what stood out in that speech? Um, You know, well, first of all, her, her skill at storytelling you know so i think that marketing has evolved into storytelling over the years you know you we used to think oh what what font you know what colors and and and, you know now marketing is all about telling a story so you know i could really uh, get into detail about some of the exact stories that she told but she was making points uh, by telling a story, this is what happened. And first of all, the story was riveting. You know, her her adventure racing is just an incredible sport, and to, and to hear the stories and their innovations that they made in the field. Uh, but then, but then she wrapped it up and said, you know, and here's my point. But we're sitting there on the edges of our seats, listening to her weave these tales, and there was probably five or six really amazing stories throughout it. And she kept your attention, and then and then made her point. It was just incredible. How did it influence you? What did you take away from that? Um, you know, for for me, it was it was definitely inspirational. Uh, you know, and I think that like we always talk about realizing that there's, you know, not, not to get into these ruts. So one of the things she she talked about was the way they raced, and you know, like for example, there's a stretch where they have to kayak, and you know, like at one point they said, well, you know what, one of the guys on the team said, why don't we rope 
the kayaks together and make like one big long boat out of them. And no one had ever done that before. And it took them 20 minutes to do it. So they lost 20 minutes. But at the end of the day, this out of the box thinking enabled them to pass the other teams. Like they're flying by these other people who are all in their individual kayaks and they have this four kayak long, long boat. And they're just like, killing everybody because of this and and there was nothing in the rules that said they couldn't do it but just but nobody had ever thought about it so it it was the whole idea of you know getting out of your head getting uh out of the box you know and i know we use that saying way too much but to hear her story you know i think a lot of us make excuses we say well everything's been tried in my business real estate is one of the oldest businesses around people have been selling real estate for years there's there's nothing new well, you know what? That's because your limiting beliefs are telling you there's nothing new. Listen to this lady and, and she'll tell you, you know, about how they came up with these ideas. And it was it was inspiring to hear how they came up with these ideas that made them winners because they were willing to challenge the status quo. Well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to touch on be the last part of our uh, inspirational podcast here is the whole concept of of uh, trial and error, trying something out, thinking outside the box. Um, When you tell, when you ask somebody, are you, do you have the ability to think outside the box? Are you an unconventional person? Most people will say, yes, well, of course I am. You know, I'm not an idiot. Uh, Because that, that question implies that if you're, if you don't say yes, then you are an idiot. Okay. Right. But most people don't do that. And here's, here's what you need to be able to, one of the most important things is awareness. Is it working? Is it working? You have this house for sale, okay? And it's just sitting there. Now, are you going to default to the tired old uh, realtor excuse that, well, the market's soft, right? Right. (laughs) Are you going to actually, are you going to actually learn anything about what's going on? There's, 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 that, that should start, in your head, asking questions, taking notes, giving yourself time to think. Okay. I mean, and then the most important thing, and this kind of loops back into what we're talking about with sales. What it is, is, is you've got to get outside of your head into the person you're selling. Is this something they want to pay for at this price? And, you know, we've talked earlier in earlier podcasts about, you know, just, you know, you're putting a house on the market, wash the windows, cut the grass, pull the weeds, put some flowers, make it, you know, somewhat some curb appeal, you know, pick up the garbage behind the house. And, uh, you know, if your realtor isn't telling you what to do, how to stage it without getting crazy, then you've got a bad realtor there who's just, you know, basically painting by numbers. You know, there's there's no thinking going on there. And I think uh, when when you're selling, if you're a real good seller, you're listening, but you're not listening to manipulate the person. You're listening to understand what they want. And that makes you, that loop of listening, building awareness, changing, is what leads you to think outside the box and to think unconventionally. Right. Solve a problem, fill a need, educate. You know, that's, that's, I think that's what selling really is. And that's why the most important thing in life 
is to always be learning, always be reading, read, listen to podcasts, you know, have a smorgasbord of, of input coming into you because that's going to make you carry on conversations with people naturally and not manipulatively because you're generally curious. You want to know, hey, where are you from? Have you been here in Cleveland long? What exactly, you know, how did you become a doctor or, you know, what brings you to town? You know, you, the, you know, the realtor, you're talking to them. And when you build that familiarity, what they're going to do is they're going to tell you more and more what they want because they like you. They like to do business with you because you're curious. I mean, I don't know anybody who's not, uh, who doesn't like somebody who's curious about them, right? Absolutely. So if you're talking to them from, you know, not a not a pressure sales campaign, but if you're talking to them in a certain way, asking questions, finding out, you're going to find out what's the problem here in them buying this house. And that's yeah, like there's another book, another book, another uh, author here. It's um, Phil Jones. He's a Brit. And the book is exactly what to say. And it's a book about sales and it's exactly what we're talking about. It's not, oh, how to how to make people do what you want. But his whole premise is that sales is achieved through asking questions, not by telling someone what they want to hear. Right. Right. Exactly. I just wrote it down. Hopefully everybody rewind that. Okay, Phil Jones. Yeah, I've listened to it three times now. I'm on my fourth go round with it. That's how good it is. Right, right. Well, you know, just again, have that smattering of stuff. And I think that is, you know, and and final note um, before we wrap up is is going back to college. You know, it would be a great college experience is take a year off from high school, work, you know, just, you know, make money, save money, start building some, you know, financial uh, chops then go to school, but don't go to school with the assumption you're going to be there for four years. You may want to just be there for one year. Look at it as one big seminar. Don't get locked into, well, you got to take this course. You got to take this course. Just say, look, I'm going to be this year. I want to take these courses. And the courses you should take in that first year, they should be courses where you have already read half the books you're going to have to read. What does that tell you? Yeah. I took a course called the American president at Kent state. My last year in college, I went from Ohio university to Kent state. I never, never should have taken that fourth year, but that's another story. But I remember taking again, going in there and taking courses that I wanted to take. And here I am, I'm reading the Washington post every day. I'm getting mailed to me. And I walked into a, a class, a senior level grad school class called the American Presidency, and and that first day, the the professor was asking me, "Does anybody know who's on the president's chief of staff?" I kept raising my hand, raising my hand. Within about fifteen minutes, he said, "Anybody except this gentleman here knows <laughs> who's doing X, Y, and Z." But you know, it was just fascinating. I, class became more like, you know, going to a book club meeting or a fantasy baseball or football uh, group. It was so much fun. And that is what 
School should not be about getting a job. School should be about you learning all the different tools in life to be successful in life, how to find the right job, okay? What do you like to do? What are you good at? Do you know how to handle money? Do you know how how a lease is? Do you know how to sell? Because if you're a good salesman or good public speaker, which by the way, Warren Buffett, the only certificate he has on his office wall is his Dale Carnegie public mm-hmm. speaking degree. That's it. And this guy went to, you know, uh, business school, MBA, University of Nebraska, the whole nine yards. None of them are there. But if you know how to sell, you take a couple of sales courses, uh, not even going to college, that is a tremendous tool. That's like a get out of jail free card. Or when we play, uh, you know, cards, what's that wild card? Yeah, um, your, your uh, trump card. Your trump card. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, your, your final thoughts. Final, final thought, Mike. I'm going to just wrap it up with a neat little bow. And I'm going to tell everybody how I know we're right. And how I know we're right. And any ask any young person who has interviewed for jobs and ask them what they hear way too often. And, and this is the quote, sorry, we're looking for someone with experience. So ask your, ask your young people how often they're hearing that. And it's way too much. And the reason is that they just have the education. They don't have the other piece of it. Right. And the way to get a way to bypass that everybody is simply this. Listen, I'll, I'll sweep the floors. I'll do this. I'll be in the mail room. I'll do this. You get in through the back door and then you work your way up. We're going to end on that note, Mike, because we're running out of time on Zoom here. So everybody, we're going to pick it up. We're going to pick it up next week with uh, on the real estate side with the May heat check. Heat check. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Real Estate Investor Podcast with Mike Riley. Please add our show or follow us on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. Leave a like or comment on the video. All engagement is appreciated. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well for video content coming soon. For any Cleveland listeners or Cleveland Browns fans, you can check out our other podcast, Cleveland Browns Anonymous, for our weekly group therapy session. This is also on all the same platforms as the Cleveland Real Estate Investor.